Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, who's just up here. And all of our staff and pastors are so glad that you're with us, especially if you're here with us for the very first time. I always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. And here's why, as I know, when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. In fact, series like this, when we talk about relationships and marriage and dating, always bring out a good amount of guests. And so if you are a guest, maybe you're an honored guest, we're so glad that you are here. But make sure you come out more than once. Uh, I might be off today. You never know. Just, you know, like, give me another chance. You know, I always tell people, you ever try a restaurant, sometimes you got to give it more than one shot, right? So sometimes it didn't work out. So if you're watching online, do me a favor, leave a, a comment, like, share, review, do something on Facebook, do something on the chat. It actually helps us get through some of those social media algorithms that we uh, all love so much. So just uh, help us out with that. Today we start again a brand new series called What Happy Couples Know. And the reason we're doing that is because, you know, in the February time slot, we're always talking about Valentine's Day. You guys probably all did the Valentine's night this last week, and maybe you went out to dinner, or maybe you made your wife dinner, or your wife made you dinner, or you had a little flower, or, you know, you did something nice to just share the love that's in the air. And so what I've noticed is that um, oftentimes this could be one of the greatest times of year for people, but if you're really struggling in a relationship, it's kind of the worst time of year, isn't it? Like, you're like, I don't want to hear about love. I'd rather not. You could be single right now, and you're like, I could care less about dating anybody because the last person I dated, if that's what men are like, come on, ladies, right? Then I don't want anything to do with that. If that's what ladies are like, I don't want anything to do with that. And so we wanted to look at the Bible because, man, it has so much to say about good, godly relationships. So here's a couple of ground rules about this series and any series that I do with relationships. Number one, I'm not an expert. So like everything I say to you, just so you know, I teach from the Bible. I believe that the Bible is an expert on relationships, but I'm not an expert. So I'm going to give you my opinion. Everybody say opinion. I'm going to give you my opinion and my thoughts and some of the things that I've learned just in, with my own pastors and my own counsel. I just want you to know, like my wife and I, we've been married. We'll be married uh, 15 years coming up in April. And it, it's like, it, I always laugh because I'm like, man, we made it one more year because like if you would have known me, me, not my wife. If you'd have known me at the time I got married with my wife, there was no way, like the odds were against us, right? And so by, the God, by God's grace, we've been able to get through it. But I want you to know, like we've had systematic, regular counseling on a regular basis because your pastor desperately needs it. And, 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 and we've had pastors speaking to our life and marriage relationships, and we've gone to every conference. I've read every book on marriage. I've done everything that I possibly could, and I still don't really understand how to be married. So I want you to know, like, there is no, like, I always tell people marriage is a, is a journey. It's not a destination. A good marriage is a journey. A good marriage is a daily step. A good marriage is not something. I've never met even a couple who've been around for years going like, man, we made it. Like, it's good. Most couples have been around coming out late. Couples have been around 20, 30, 40 years in marriage, you realize there's no destination to it. Every day you got to make up, and every day you got to wake up, and every day you got to shake it up, and every day you got to like hold on and keep it up, right? Like, because it's just, it's just a struggle. So I want you to know, I don't speak as an expert. Number two, um, I know some, sometimes this is a little rough. So, you know, we could, I'm going to speak sensitively on, for some people, maybe you come out of a divorce or maybe you're, you're, you know, you just had a breakup or, you know, maybe marriage is not going really well for you. I want you to know, like, I'm, I'm sensitive to that. I'm going to, but we're going to have, uh, we're going to speak some truth about it. And the last thing is, is I would say this, um, regardless of who you are, you can all get something from this message. So let's say you're not dating anybody right now. You can get something from this message about the person you you will date one day. Um, a great opportunity. Let's say you're um, not dating, or maybe you're, uh, you know, you, you, you've had a husband or a wife, maybe you're divorced, maybe you're a little l- later on in life, and you're like, you're not looking to get married. You could still get something from this because you need to know this. We think of this place called spiritual family. We call it like, like so when somebody comes up to you who's maybe in a relationship issue, you need to have something to say to them, right? So that you can learn. So maybe not be for you, but hey, this could be one of those times where I always tell people, like, this is, ther- whenever you say something like, man, I got to give this sermon to someone else, you really know God was speaking to you about it, but this might be that. 
that sermon as well. So like you can hand this to someone. It's for everybody. That's kind of my ground rules. Everybody say, okay. Everybody say, I got you. All right, we're going to be in Genesis today. Genesis chapter 1 is where we're going to be. We're going to jump around a little bit. I want to give you some context to the, to the idea of what we're doing because what I want to understand, I want us to feel like and understand is if you don't, you got to understand of how you and I were designed and how marriage was designed. In order for us to understand this thing, we got to know what it, where it came from, okay? So Genesis chapter 1 is kind of where we're going to be at. If you don't have your Bibles or if you don't know anything about the scriptures, um, and believe it or not, we have people who come here and don't know that. And so like the reason I always give context is because I want you to know that. So let's say you've been you know, saved since you know, the Moses was on this earth. You've know God. Um, there are people who don't know God. So I explain it like people who don't know God. So if you're in here and you do know God, you should celebrate this time because somebody could be learning about the Bible for the first time. So um, uh, the Bible is broken up in two main sections. Genesis is in the first. It's literally it's the easiest book you're ever going to find in the Bible. You want to know why? Because it's the first book. And so it's Genesis number one. So just go to the first book, Genesis chapter one, verse one. You just go. Just, all you have to do is go to the first page and just pick it up. That's where it's at. And um, Genesis chapter one is where we're going to be at. And this is God starting all of everything. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, And God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Verse 27, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I've noticed, did you read that scripture and realize they were being really redundant? Anybody have noticed that? Like when you read the Bible, you're like, why did you say that over and over and over again? Remember, everything in the Bible is intentional. So if something's repeated, it's done on purpose. They want you to realize and understand that you are not an accident. Like you are not just random chance. You weren't some mistake. You weren't a moment where, you know, your parents were like, well, let's just live life. Like, that's not what it was like. Like, God has a plan for you. God created you. God, God has a will for your life, and he wants you to do some amazing things. If you're sitting here and you're still alive today, please hear me. It's not on accident. It's on purpose. Yeah. And so God designed. I want you to, this is the first thing I want. God designed you. You are made. There was intentionality. Teenagers, your life is you, you were made. You have a purpose. You're at the beginning of your purpose. So there's, there's this design in you, and that's good. Then Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, it says, Then the Lord God said, Was well, not good for man to be alone? And all the ladies know that to be stinking true, right? Because <laughs> when you left for groceries, your husband, you know, remodeled the kitchen. You know, it's like, you, you, whenever time I leave you alone, ladies, right? This is your time to amen. They like... You are not good left alone, so I'm going to be around you to make sure nothing cray happens. And so he, he says, it's not good for me alone, then I'm going to make you a helper. And that's so good, who's just right. I like that, a helper who's just right. By the way, ladies, just, you, you know, the Bible equates the same language using helper as the Holy Spirit. Like, you need to know that helper is not something to be looked down upon. Helper is something to be actually envied of. I mean, you are, you are equated. I'm telling you, this is good news. Like, you are valuable, ladies. You are valuable. You hold a role and a purpose. And so he says, I'm making him a woman because he needs it. Verse 20, he gave, he gave names to all the livestock. This is funny about God. I think God just, again, he doesn't make a mistake. He's trying to teach you a lesson. This is a lesson in Genesis. This is not even in my script. We're not even in my notes yet. And so he, he says, we made the livestock and all the birds in the sky and the wild animals, but there was still no helper just right for him. He's trying to show you something that like all the other things you're looking for outside of what your spouse has brought to you for, you'll never find. Like, so you're not going to find it in a hobby. You're going to find it in your wife. You're not going to find it in your friends. You're going to find it in your husband. You're not going to find it with it. I'm telling you, you're going to have to find it in your spouse. God created you to be together. Verse 21, he says, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, Lord God took out one of his ribs. That's why it's painful. 
Painful to be married and closed up the opening. And the Lord God made a woman, said, yes, this is from the rib. And he brought her to the man. And we were just, we were just excited because, you know, at that time, everybody was just, you know, naked. So it was just great. And so, um, you know, it's just different. Sorry, I'm not this is how I read the Bible. But um, New Testament, New Testament. So God designed you. God designed marriage. You see it? God designed you, God designed marriage. Say it again. God designed you, God designed marriage. God designed you, and then he designed marriage. Everybody says this when they say, God designed you. All right, just turn it on to you. Say, God designed me. God designed marriage. All right, say it again. God designed me. God designed marriage. That's important when you're looking to get married, okay? I'm just telling you that's important. Because if you don't have that as your, like, cornerstone of knowing how things are with marriage, all this stuff ain't going to work. So let's fast forward real quick to New Testament. I just want to give you one New Testament scripture. It's in Ephesians. Ephesians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. This is a uh, apostle Paul. This is a man who wrote a letter to the church, and he's writing about multiple things. And in this particular passage, he's talking about how you should deal with people. So he's saying, look, you, this is how you should live with people. And he says, be completely humble. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And then I like this. He says, make every effort. I like this. He says, do everything you can. Keep the unity through the spirit of the blood, through the bond of peace. He says, look, if you're going to live life, you've got to make every effort. So you need to know this. This is the truth about the scriptures. Anything you see that's written about how you deal with people applies to how you deal with your spouse. Because they're people. And you might be mad at them right now in your life. Well, they're not people. <laughs> but they're people, and they're humans, and they have a, a soul, and God loves them, just like he loves you. And any scripture you see that's written about peoples can be applied to your spouse. So today, we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about some efforts. Like, what do we got to do? What can we do to truly stay focused in our marriage? That's what we're going to do. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I thank you that today uh, you have a, a, a path to play, God. You have a part to talk to us about. And um, I, I just pray right now, God, that you you right now would speak to us in every way that you can, God. You, you have a word for us. And, even though I've created notes, Holy Spirit, you, you've got notes for me. So I pray today, God, that you would show me what, what we need to hear. If we're married in here, God, I pray this would be a step to a better marriage. If we're not married in here, God, I pray that we would just be on the lookout right now because we're in a church and, you know, there's some single people. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. I always used to be like, hey, like raise your hand if you're single and then look around, but that's kind of odd. So, But I'm just saying you can find a... A good man or a good woman. It's a better place than the bar, you know, honestly, right? Like, yeah, just my thought. Um, I have a lot of kids. I have five young boys. They're interesting because they do things that um, defy logic. They don't use logic. Kids, you don't use logic. You don't think. Anytime you talk to a child when they've done something crazy, it's typically in the sense of saying something like, hey, um, why did you do that? There really is no answer for it. They don't have an answer for you. You realize this. Um, they do things out of impulse. It looked fun, right, most of the time. Hey, I wasn't thinking. Hey, I got annoyed. Um, I was trying to do something. They, they all do crazy. I, I'll give you an example. Um, the other day, my son was, uh, he has a, um, uh, it's like electric four-wheel drive car. I don't know what those, you know, what they're called, the RC cars, where you can sit in them, and he's, he's driving this electric car. Well, I looked at him, and I heard this loud 
noise out in front of our, our house. And I'm looking out, what's going on? And he had tied, I'm kidding you, he'd, tie, he'd use a jump rope, tied the jump rope to the car, and then tied the jump rope to another, uh, uh, to a, a bike that he had, uh, just a bike, his random bike. And he thought what would be a good idea is to tie the jump rope to the car and drag the bike along the, the ground in front of our house and just do it in a circle. And that's all he did, just doing it in a circle. And I was like, I don't understand. You realize that jump rope's not designed like that. It was, it's designed to... J- Y'all know, right? Like to jump with the rope. On top of that, the bike that you're dragging that I spent a lot of money on, that you're dragging across the concrete making sparks, um, it wasn't designed to do that. Let's not do that, okay? And I had to do it in the front yard. You know, in the front yard, it's a little in front of everybody, so you don't want to be that person. You know what I'm saying? And I already know I'm that person in the neighborhood, so I don't care. I'm like, stop doing that! You know, I'm like yelling. They do stuff like that. Um, you know, it's, it's, odd. it's odd. The other day, my son, when we first moved into our brand new house, we had a brand new house. We just moved in here in San Antonio. We're here. God's moving. We're going to like plant a church. Everything's going to be great. I have the greatest family ever. I go upstairs, and my son had already found the, the, the pencils and pens in our house, and he had written all over our new house and the new loft, and it's just, it's still there because I just, I don't want to paint over it. And so it's still there, and I look at him, and I go, why would you do that? The pencil and pen that I've given you or that you have found or that you stole from my house and my office. It's not your house. Your, it's my house that you stole that wasn't designed because they do things kind of weird. The other day, maybe the worst one. The other day I was, um, y'all have those, uh, those headphones? Bring them to me real quick. The other day, I, um, my son came up. This is one of my sons right here. Um, thank you, Riley. One of my sons came up and he, uh, he said, hey, dad, can I borrow your headphones? And I said, sure, son, no problem. You can borrow my headphones. I said, because I'm a, I'm a loving father. You know, I, I just... Honestly, I actually wasn't paying attention to him. He asked me for something, and I didn't know what I said yes to. Did anybody ever have that moment? As a father, as a parent. Come on, parents, if you did that, please, just so I don't feel bad. Okay, good. I was doing something, and I wasn't paying attention. And he goes, can I have it? All I heard was, can I? And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And so he took my headphones, you know, my, my $150 headphones. And I'm like, okay. So he goes out, and I hear kids screaming. And I'm like, ah! Like they're having fun or whatever, and something inside of me, the Holy Spirit, or maybe it was bad pizza, I decided I needed to go out and check on my kids. So I walk out, I see my kid, and he's holding my headphones as a mallet, attacking his brothers. And he's over there, and they had the, they were so, I, you'll never see more joy in kids' lives. He's like swinging my, he's like throwing it and swinging at it, and I'm like, why, 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 why? 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 And before I could get no out, right? Like before I could get no out, it snaps. And, and so um, my headphone is no longer usable. It doesn't even, it doesn't connect anymore either. It's like it's just stopped working and this is what it turned out to be. And he walks up to me and he says, um, here you go. <laughs> now, I, 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 found, I found something interesting about these headphones, this is just trash at this point. So, look, it's interesting. So this is a new, brand new set of headphones. The Beats Solo Wireless 3, right? Comes with a little case. When I first got these headphones, they looked like this. It's powerful. I mean, like, and I remember I got them, and I'm like, this is amazing. And I remember when I first got them, I went, oh, okay. And I was like, And I didn't even want to like, right? Like I didn't even, I'm like, oh, 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 oh. So I kind of slid them on my head. Because I didn't, right? Because right? when you get something new, 
you appreciate it and you love it and you treat it the way that it was designed. These things were designed, two independent things connected together, unified together, connected to a source. That's how they were designed. They were designed. And, and marriage is so funny because when we first get out, my wife, she had a dress on. She was so pretty. She, I mean, she was just, her skin was all soft. Her hair was beautiful, you know, and I was on the other side, and I'm telling you what, I shaved that day, brushed my teeth. Ladies, she looked at me, and I'm telling you, I was, I was good looking, fine, you know what I'm saying? Fine. And so it was like, and then, like, we got married, and we got married under, under, under God, We got connected. These things were designed to be independent, connected to God, unified, connected to God. And then over time, I've noticed, like, less I really paid attention to it, and and I just started, like, treating it like it was normal and like it was every day. And somebody sometimes we start treating it, and it ends up kind of jacked up. What's the difference between like this and that? Well, it's really, if you don't treat marriage the way that the designers wanted it to be treated, it ends up like that. Some of y'all's marriage look like that today. Isn't it true? You want it to look like this. It's supposed to look like this, but you don't treat it the way it was designed. And you act however you want to act, and you talk however you want to talk, and you live however you want to live. And then you get mad at God, and you say, God, how come you gave me him? He don't know what he's doing. He's a little crazy. I feel like he don't listen. He don't pay attention. There's, not, there's something wrong. He ain't, gonna, he ain't ever going to make it, right? Come here, buddy. He ain't, he ain't ever going to make it. And I find it interesting that I'm the one, as a pastor, who will come. The, the headphones will come into my office, and they'd be like, hey, say a prayer and fix this. And you can't fix that with prayer. Prayer is powerful. I think in marriage, no, this is my opinion, I think in marriage, prayer gives you the ability to help you fix some things yourself. God's a good God. He, he, he knows how, because remember he made you and he made us and he made, remember what happened? God designed you and God designed marriage. So there's some efforts that you and I have to do and some things that we need to take on. Like there's a purpose in marriage. Y'all need to know that. And there's a purpose and way in marriage and relationship, and source and even your relationship, because like the whole purpose of it, remember, is two unified. They're two together. They work unified together. Um, marriage was designed by God for two people to be unified and connected to Him. Those headphones don't even work if they're not connected to anything. They're just fancy earmuffs, yeah. right? And so in Genesis chapter 2, it says the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs in the opening, and the Lord God said, made a woman, and, and they made the rib, and they brought her to the man. Like God created marriage in a place of paradise. But you remember how God created marriage. God created marriage. It wasn't just Adam and Eve. It was Adam, Eve, and who? God. 
that's what marriage is supposed to be. You see it now, right? So you can't have a desire to have a whole and complete marriage that functions and works properly without God. I'm just making an argument to you for those who feel like, my, we don't really need to introduce prayer into our life. Or we don't really need regular church going as a family. Or we don't need any godly people to speak into our lives. Or I don't need some pastor to tell me how to do a relationship. You see what I'm saying? It's all pride. It's all arrogance. It's all, it's all the idea that you have figured out God. This is what Adam and Eve ran into in the end of the day. So they figured out God. God, we would like your stuff. We don't need you. But your knowledge is good enough. So let me go eat of the fruit. At the end of the day, we're designed to be with God. And if that's true, I want to give you maybe five efforts today, five quick efforts, because Paul talks about it in Ephesians. Make every effort. I want to give you five efforts today inside of marriage that I've just seen um, and read and heard and may just take my word for it over 20 years of marriage, uh, 20 years of ministry, counseling marriage. And by the way, I'm the worst marriage counselor because you come in my office, I'm going to fix it real quick. And some marriages aren't designed to be fixed real quick. And so I'll tell you some, I'm, I always tell people like I'm a little bit like an ER, you know, like I'm going I'm to keep you from bleeding out but you might need long-term rehabilitation. <laughs> and uh, that's what counselors are for. You know what I'm saying? So that's what, you know, I'm on year 15. So it's, it'll be great. Five efforts of a great, great, great marriage, great relationship. Number one is communication. Everybody say communication. communication. Come on, like you believe God. Say communication. communication. There, you, there you go. Proverbs chapter 12 says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Um, I read a statistic that said 85% of marriage problems is poor communication. Um, that was from a, a university study. And I was like, I don't agree with you at all. I think 100% of marriage problems are communication. Somebody who wasn't married wrote that, I think. You know, it's worse. <laughs> it's worse. Most of our issues are, are, are big problems. Newsweek had an article that came out. So the average couple talks uh, alone together for four minutes a day. Out of the 24 hours. I don't even know the percentage of that. Anybody math whiz in here can tell me four minutes of 24 hours? All right, let's keep going. The average couple spends 47 hours a week in front of a screen. The average couple spends 30 minutes total in communication per week. And the the problem is is that you'll find yourself doing a lot of um, shoulder-to-shoulder time and not face-to-face time, especially when you have kids. You know, when you have kids and you have a family, and you're trying to like run, you use your, your own little organization you're trying to keep afloat. And so a lot of times, though your communication happens in passing, anybody else living that American dream that was invented by the real estate corporation? You realize that, right? Like the American dream is not a real thing. It's, it was a, that's a marketing ploy. You all know that, right? By real estate people. You all know that. Like maybe you didn't, now you know. You, you see each other and you communicate only in passing. I'm begging you on behalf of your future self. If your life is not organized to where you can sit and look at your wife or your husband in the eyes for longer than 30 seconds, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. It's not me telling you that. Statistics. No one is Superman or Superwoman or Wonder Woman or Black Panther, whoever superhero you want to pick. Everybody runs into a wall. And if you can't take time, we're going to have an experiment, and it's going to be awkward today. I like being awkward because I'm an awkward person. So if you have a husband or a wife, will you just, will you just take a moment real quick, just real quick,
we're going to take 10 seconds and we're going to stare into each other's eyes and you're just not going to say anything and it's going to be awkward as all get out because you probably haven't done this in 20 years. So um, we're going to do that right now. Let's say you're not sitting next to your spouse. You should still do this with the person next to you because it's even more awkward. So here we go. You got 10 seconds on the clock. One, two, three, go. One, two, three, four, five, six, Mississippi, seven, eight, nine, ten. And if you're married, give them a kiss. Come on. If you're married, give them a kiss. If you're not married, that's awkward. Don't kiss nobody. It's weird. We're not that church. We have a communication problem in America, yes? Yeah, we have a communication issue, and oftentimes it's because we can't communicate with each other. Um, I'll say, let me just tell you something about me. Some of you guys maybe not know. I speak Spanish. Okay, look, I speak some Spanish. Okay, look, I speak very little Spanish. I speak, I speak some, I speak a little, I speak a couple of words of Spanish. And um, if you were to put me in, a, in Mexico right now, in like interior of the city, I could probably survive for one or two days, but I couldn't thrive for my life. And if you don't figure out, by the way, communication is a developed skill. Hear me. No one was born or gets into a marriage and they just know how to communicate. It's a skill you got to develop. And the skill, here's what's funny about it. It's not something you can learn in a book. Like you can learn some principles in a book. But what's funny is, is that skill has to be contextualized to your partner. Yep. So what's funny is, is like I can speak English to my wife because we understand each other um, phonetically, right? Linguistically. <laughs> but I got to know how she receives. She's got to know how I let it come out of my mouth. And we got to be able to hear and talk and have the interchange work. And if you're not committed to developing your communication, you just need to know you're committed to your marriage, your relationship not being at its best. There's no gray area in the middle. There's no gray area. So the question you have to ask yourself is, how do I develop? One thought about communication I, t- I tend to uh, teach um, for, for marriages, and I get this from my counselor, is that you know, statistically, men and women are different when it comes to communication. <laughs> like, that's the deepest thought you've ever heard before. <laughs> yes, you know that. But, but what we don't realize is that like, even the reservoir of words, is scientifically, is different for men and women. Yeah. So like, you need to know, on average, women speak 30,000 words a day. That's a lot. The average man speaks about 20,000 words a day. So there's a reason why your husband, when he comes home from work, all he has to say is grunts. <laughs> Ladies, right? You're frustrated. Here's why. One of the biggest, this is the cliche communication issue. Your husband comes home. He's tired because he's talked, he's talked more than the 20,000 he even wanted to talk. And then he comes home to you, and you have not talked to anybody other than little tinies that don't really, you don't even want to talk to. And so he's finally come home. You're ready to get your 30,000 out. He's lost all 20,000 that he had plus, And now you have an issue. Does that sound familiar to anybody else's marriage but mine? So you got to realize and recognize, hey, man, we're going to have to figure this thing out. It might be you husbands coming home and going, look, I'm going to have a little bit of reservoir reserved always for my wife. 
It could be ladies. You could be ready for when your husband comes home and recognize this man has just spoke more than he wanted to today. And I'm going to find a way to maybe be graceful with that. And I know that doesn't mean like you got what you wanted, but welcome to marriage because that's exactly what it is. You shouldn't get what you want. You should get what God wanted. As I think it recognizes the subtleties of men and women in communication, man, that's the key to developing it well. Amen? Amen. Number two, consideration. Consideration. So you know, not only do you have a great effort for communication, you have a great effort for consideration. This is important. Um, Ephesians 5, 28 says, In the same way, husbands, that's you, guys. There's like, he wasn't talking to other husbands. You, husbands, ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Now, I don't know about you, but I love me some me. <laughs> right? I'm like my biggest fan. I'm the captain of my fan club, right? Like, I love me some me. So I should be really good to my wife, right? And he says, he, lo- he who loves his wife loves himself. And all the men who did it right says amen. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You be like, yes. Because it's true. It's, it's just how we work. Uh, we work at a little bit different than, than women. Consideration with men and women are unique. You know, women by nature maybe are a little more naturally nurturing, um, and maybe there are guys who maybe have more, a little more um, personality-driven, that a little more nurturing. Um, but, but just because that's the tendency of women to be more nurturing, it doesn't excuse men from trying to be considerate. And it doesn't excuse women from working on how to be a little more considerate. And so what's so funny is we'll hear these like, natural things like, well, women should be, women are naturally more considerate, so I don't really need to work on that. Who cares? It's not how I'm wired. God, you wired me to be a man. So why should I consider and be considerate to my wife? Consideration is this. Continuous and careful thought on something before. Everybody say before. Before. That's the key. Continuous and careful thought on something before formulating an opinion or a decision. Huh. Okay, so, so I had to think about something before I said something or I did something. And I've noticed that the longer that I'm in marriage, the less considerate that I am. Yeah. Is, it, is it just me or is it you guys too? I read something funny. You want something funny? This is funny. This is the five stages of a married cold. Five stages of a married cold. First year in a married, when you get cold, your, your wife gets a cold, you say something like this. This is the first year. Darling, I'm worried about that sniffle you have. I've called the paramedics to rush you to the hospital. I know you don't like hospital food, so I'll bring you some Chick-fil-A. That's year one. Year two, sweetheart, I don't like the sound of that cough. I've arranged for the doctor to make a house call. Let me go tuck you in bed. That's year two. Year three, you've looked like you've got a fever. Why don't you drive yourself to Walgreens for some medicine? I'll watch the kids. Year four, look, let's be sensible. After you fed and bathed the kids and do the dishes, you probably should go find the bed. I'm sure you'll be all right. And year five, for goodness sake, would you stop coughing? I can't hear the television. Would you mind going in the other room while the show is on? Consideration, I've noticed, without effort, ever say effort, it doesn't go up. It goes down. Because now the person that you loved and you thought was amazing, she was he was dashing. Now they're annoying because they're coughing, right? And consideration just says, look, before I say anything, before I do anything, I'm going to think about the ramifications. That alone, whoo, 
it will save a lot of marriages. Hebrews chapter 10, and let us consider, everybody say consider, everybody consider one another to provoke unto love. I like that. It's like we provoke. I'm good at provoking, but unto love. I finished, I didn't finish the sentence. I'm like, I'm good at that. Oh, unto love and good works. Continuous and careful thought. Number three, compromise. You have commitment, or I'm sorry, you have, uh, you have, you have consideration, you have communication, now you have compromise. Now you have 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to read this. It says, love is patient. This is the one that you read at your wedding. It said, love is patient and it's kind. It's not envy. It's not boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. You didn't even read. You've never read this since it was read at your wedding. You don't remember this verse, but I'm going to remind you. It is not self-seeking. Underline self-seeking. Highlight it. Screenshot it. Get a tattoo. It's not self-seeking. The most unloving thing that you can do in a marriage is try to change your spouse into you. And so the funny thing is, is that I'm really good at changing my spouse into me. I don't know anybody else is like that, but like I'm really good at it. And I have to remember, love, love doesn't do that. Love doesn't look to change them into, into the other person. I was reading a funny little anecdote. There's this lady, she was about to get married. She was really nervous. And so she's in the back and her mom comes into the room and she says, Mom, I'm real nervous. Her mom says, look, I'll give you a strategy. Here's how you're going to get married today. Don't worry about it. It's going to be great. Just focus on the aisle that you're walking down. Then you focus on the altar. Just get it up on the altar. And then just focus on him. You just say those three things over and over and over and over and over, and over again. You're going to be all right. So she says, okay, Mom. So she gets down. And the whole time she's doing it, she's, aisle, altar, him. I'll alter him. She gets up there. I'll alter him. I'll alter. Y'all see what I'm saying? And what's funny is most of us go into marriage just like that. Like, he ain't right, but wait until I get a hold of him. He thinks he, he thinks he knows who I am now. Wait until we get under one roof and I'm running the show. Right? Guys, we thought, you know, she's good, but I can make her great. Start tweaking and adjusting and add, take away, like they're a Lego piece we're trying to put together. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but they're humans, and they don't take well to that. They figure it out. They start thinking, like, this person's trying to take over. And I just think the most unloving thing you can do is just be like that, be self-seeking into the point where you just, you don't do it, you know? Got to learn to compromise. Got to learn to let some stuff go. Compromise is this. Settlement between differences, right? Settlement of differences in which each side makes concessions. And I know for you, you're like, why would I have to make a concession if I'm right? <laughs> Any other what else say that? Well, if I'm right, then there is no need for compromise. They need to listen and I speak. <laughs> if, look, if you don't want to be married in here, don't do any of this stuff. Like, but if you want to stay married, these are godly principles that God has taught us all throughout Scripture, saying, look, you and I can get better at being in a, in a marriage with the person who is hard to be married to. And, and compromise, I think, could be a really big deal 
for a lot of us. Some of you in here, you might be the dominant personality. There tends to be a dominant personality in the relationship. Did you know that? Like statistics show, you know, you, we tend to, you know, marry opposites. I, we, Erica and I, we have, uh, 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 we broke the mold because both of us have like major league domination issues. And so we, uh, she, you know, people are always like, you're a great, you know, leader, pastor, you could be a great church and build this up. Like, you all need, like, she's an incredible leader. Like, she's a mom right now, and she's a wife. She's in a season of our life and stuff like that. But I just want you to know, like, she's incredible. And anybody who's ever met her always say that. Like, we like you, pastor. We love, we love Erica's amazing. We love her. Like, we're, we're here for her. I'm like, okay. As long as you're here, I guess. Um, but, like, but, like, both of us are high-level, high-D leaders. Like, we want to, we, we trying to run the show. But, like, for the typical relationship, there's, there's a domination, dominating one who's kind of, I'm going to force my way. I'm right. We're going to do what I want to do. We're going to go to the places I want to go. We're going to go on the vacations. I want to go on the vacations. We're going to do what I want to do. You know what I'm saying? You need to know, this. I'm talking to you. Look at my eyes. This is on you. Because the other person who has been sitting back just kind of going, all right, I'm just about that peace, you know what I'm saying? Whatever. They need to have an opinion sometime, too. So, like, well, you go on vacation. That's something you might need to compromise on. Both sides make concessions so that there's compromise. How to raise your kids. I've noticed that, like, there's a lot of ways that my wife raises kids that I never wanted to raise my kids like. You know, I grew up in a different household. She grew up in a different household. My household, we yelled. Yelling was the thing. We like to yell. Yell was passionate. It was fun. It was like, let's yell. I like to yell. Raise my voice. Yell. Yes. I'm on the table right next to you. I like to yell. I just want to make sure you heard what I was going to say. No misunderstandings. My wife didn't grow up that way. So, you know, when I'm downstairs and the kids are upstairs, she's like, hey, can you go get the kids? I'm like, sure. Hey, you're down here. It's time to go. She looks at me. She goes, I could have done that. I'm like, what's the problem? But there's a compromise in how we raise our kids, right? Yeah. The, the, I mean, there's, a, there's, there's, there's compromise in your, how you spend your money. There's a compromise. You're going to have to think about I think it's stuff you could talk about. How are we going to spend our money? How are we going to spend time with our in-laws? You know, how are we going to spend our day off? You know, how are we going to spend, you know, spend the night together? You know what I'm saying? Like, how are we going to do that? Like, there's compromise. Com- Everybody say compromise. compromise. Compromise is key inside of a good marriage. Number four, I'm almost done. Commitment. I just realized now these are all C's. I could have said the four C's, the five C's. That's powerful. I didn't even know that. This is good stuff. All right. No, I'm saying commitment. Matthew chapter 19. Having you read, he replied that the beginning of the creator made a male and female. This is Jesus like reiterating how you and I were designed. He said, and he said, for this one reason, man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the tomb will become flesh. By the way, men, you need to leave your mama. Your wife is not your mama. I learned early on that my wife doesn't wash the clothes the way that my mama used to wash the clothes. She don't make the dinner the way that my mama used to make the dinner. Well, good, because she ain't your mama. Because we got to leave her mama. Be united to my wife. That's free. Somebody in here needed to see that and hear that and feel that and be convicted by that. That wasn't even in my notes. Verse 6, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, this is so good. What God has joined, you've heard this at a wedding. What God has joined together, let no one separate. If God joined you together, separation isn't an option. 
You need some commitment in your life. Yeah. If, if separation is an option, you can't build a great marriage. You just can't. It's too easy to walk out. Have you noticed that? It's too easy. If it's an option, it's too easy to give up. It's too easy to, you ever said this? I'm not going to take this anymore. It's too easy. But when there's, when there's like, when there's commitment, you just, you know what commitment really is? This is kind of like my definition. It's like, it's the willingness to stay even when it's hard. I'm just willing. Like, I don't even, I'm not even, I'm committed to the principle of what I did under God. Do you remember what that was like? Commitment's not even a virtue anymore. Like, just quit. Who cares? Just move on. Just go to the next one of everything. And there's this commitment to life where I'm just committed, even if it might not be great all the time. By the way, marriage is not great all the time. The movies are liars. Hollywood's, they're liars. They're lying to you. Unless the whole movie is like nonstop up and down, and then it ends with no crescendo. That's marriage, right? There is no happy ending. The happy ending is when we die and we go to heaven. That's the happy ending. There's no marriage in heaven. You ever notice that? I'm just being honest. There is no marriage in heaven. Like, I'm going to give a special request to God because I would love to just be a neighbor to you. But there is no marriage in heaven. It's hard. Everybody say it's hard. It's one of the greatest, hardest things you'll ever experience in your entire life. But, 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 but listen, you have to be committed to it. It was, reminds me of a funny story I heard. It was at 25, this man stint stood up at his 25th wedding anniversary. And he said, I'd just like to thank my wife for 15 years of great marriage. <laughs> That's reality. That's reality, right? Because, because the reality of it is it's not always going to be great. It's just not. I'm really committed when things are wonderful and she listens to me. And there's money in the bank. And the kids are listening. And come on, right? And there's no drama for your mama. It's all good. I'm committed, babe. I'll be with you forever. But when it's crazy, it's too easy to walk out. And one of the reasons we do that, there's, like a, um, there's a myth. There's a myth called incompatibility. You need to know this about, about life. And, and, and marriage. Incompat- the, the myth of incompatibility is that, um, is that you need to know this, it was, it was invented by jurists in order to plead for divorce. There's a book it's by, by name Paul Tornier. He, he says to understand each other. He says, it is likewise just a common excuse for people to use to hide their own failings. Misunderstandings and mistakes can be corrected. This is a doctor who, when, when there is a, this is important, a willingness to do so. you got to be committed. So like the idea of like, well, we're just, not in, we're just not compatible. Now, I do believe there's levels of compatibility with certain personalities. That's real. But the idea of like, well, you can find somebody so compatible with you that you'll never have a fight and you'll never have something where you have to walk through and you'll never have this challenge where you'll get to a point where you have to go. I'm, I'm, you know why I'm in this? Because I'm a man or a woman of principle. That I love Jesus and God and I think he understands me more than I understand you. And I'm in this regardless of what's going on. Yeah. Good. Good. Caveat, outside of the extreme circumstance. 
because I know everybody, there's people in there, but what about this and what about that? I'm not talking about the, nine, the, the, the 1%. I'm talking about the 99% that we like to go, well, I can get out. So, so we got to be, come on, come in. Last one is this, I'm done, I'm closing. I want to remind you, God designed us, God designed marriage. God designed us, God designed marriage. The fifth one you need is Christ. So I like what he said in Colossians chapter 3. So since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. So set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with who? With, with, with Christ, God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also appear with him in glory. Four basic needs we all have as a person. Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. You need to know this. Your spouse cannot deliver that to you. They're great. I'm sure they're wonderful. I'm pretty sure you love them. But they can't give you that. They can't give you acceptance and identity and security and purpose. But you need it. And the only place you can get it from, and really you should get it from, is God. Let's remind you. Let's go back. Where, where did your, where, where did it, where, where did marriage start? In paradise. And what did it look like? Adam, Eve, and God. And my hope is that your marriage would have commitment and consideration, that your marriage would be uh, full of, of communication, that, that you would have something inside of you that you would just have the, the, the level of, of, of really, I think, godliness that you can die to yourself daily and learn to serve the one that you have been given. Because they're not even yours. God gave them to you. So if I were you, I would work to give them back to God better in the way that you found it. Her, him, inside of your marriage. That's my hope and prayer for you today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for today. I thank you that today, Lord, we've, we've learned some things about marriage. There's, some, there's some, some things we all have to work on. I have to work on. God, I have to work on compromise and commitment. I got to work on consideration. I got to work on, on communication. I got to work on all these things. Man, there's some, there's some, I got to work on putting Christ more in my life. God, what, what is it that, that, that I can do, Father, that, that, would, that would be helpful for me in my marriage, Lord? I just pray right now, um, God, uh, that you would help us learn and get that together, Lord. Help me to do that in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're in here right now, and uh, God, that you, 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 you wanted to give your life to Jesus, but you've never done it. Um, this is one of the things, the reason we do service here, is that we give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. Today, that could be your day. We don't make you stand up, talk to anybody you don't know, or maybe you go to a weird room or anything like that. We just want you to be able to have a moment where you, maybe you lift your hand and you have that prayer moment with, with God. I want to give you that. Don't let this moment pass you by. This is super important. This is really, really, this is the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life. Maybe you're a second person. Maybe you've already given your life to Jesus, but you need to rededicate your life. Maybe you, you need to just say, God, I've been living for you, but I realize, honestly, I've been living for me. Help me rededicate to be a better man, husband, wife, God, a, a lady, whatever I need to be to you, God, so I can honor you in all of this. So if you need to do one of those two things, you need to give your life to Jesus for the first time or rededicate your life, we'd love for you to do that right now with, just by lifting your hands just halfway up. Will you do that just halfway up so I can pray with you? One, two, three, just lift them up. Amen. I see that hand on the right. Anybody else? See that hand? Yes, sir. Thank you. Anybody, anybody else? I'd just love to pray with you. I could just pray right now. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Thank you, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anybody else right now? 
Okay. Well, let's say a prayer, God. For those of you who lifted your hands, maybe you said yes to Jesus in your heart, or you're watching online. Say this with me. Everybody in here, say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and change my life. I recognize now that I'm a sinner and I need you. Help me, Lord, to live for you, to honor you, and to give you my all. From this day forward, I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody shout amen. Amen. Man, give God a hand clap of praise in this place. Come on, church. Well, listen, if you say yes to Jesus for the very first time, we're honored to be a part of your walk with him. As you walk out of here today, will you text the word Jesus to that number? It goes to one of our staff pastors. We'll make sure you know your next step with Christ. A great next step, honestly, is just to come back next week. Make sure you don't miss one week of our series. And then we're also going to be doing our Rise Date Night coming up this Friday. Make sure you do that. And then we also have baptism at the end of our third service today. So that's going to be fun. So if you still want to get water baptized, it's not too late. Just sign up. Stick around. You can listen to this three more, two more times. I preach it two more times. I Honestly, I think I get even crazier in the third service. So if I were you, I'd stick around. You never know what happens. So I think it'd be really good. We're actually uh, doing one raffle today. We do one raffle per service. Um, Tabby, how are we doing it today? What are we? I forgot, I forgot to even ask you. Am I just giving it to somebody random? Oh, I got a card. Never mind. She told me. All right, hold on. I'm gonna, let me read the card for just a minute. I'm going to give the family with the most kids. Family with the most kids. When we start with five, if you have five kids, if you're a couple, if you're a married couple with five kids, stand up. If you got five kids, five, 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 four, four, five, four, five, four, five, four, five, five. Okay, awesome, awesome. We got two. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody? Okay, two couple. All right. Between the two of you, who has the youngest kid? Who has the youngest kid? Between the two of you, that's the tiebreaker. It says on my thing. Who has the youngest kid? All right, there you go. You won. Come on. You got it right here. There you go, brother. Awesome. I got some brand new Beats headphones too. Does anybody want these new Beats headphones? Let me just say, anybody just about to get married, about to get married, about to get married, about, about to get married. Come on up here, bro. Come on. Come on. I got you. These are, these look, I'm going to give these to you for $225 right now, right now. Just, I'm just kidding. These are yours, man. Bradley, you're welcome. I love you, man. Come, remember, two work together, two work together. But they don't work unless they're connected, right? They're supposed to stay connected to God. 